0: Welcome to us In My Life Love you and I Cause I love you so much Oh, oh, oh I just love you I just like help Help, I just like help I just like you too I just like you I, I, I I just love you Happy New Year! I love you. Say goodbye. Just going, just go, and that's okay. Yum 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 yum. I just love you. Welcome to Mind Matters. I'm one of your hosts, Mary. This is where we break down and we talk about mental health. And hypnotherapy, coaching, all these different tools and those tools we can use to help you lead, finding the right ways to help you, finding the right people to connect with. Because in this day and age, everybody calls themselves an expert. Everybody. And trying to quiet the noise, stand who is an expert in their field. And checking with them is crucial. And my guest or my host co host is on. Andre, how are you? Good well,
1: afternoon. Hey. Things are good. Oh, there it goes. Can you hear me okay? Yep. All right, wonderful. Good hearing your voice again. Good show earlier.
0: Give me one second. We're having a connection issue here. go, Andre. Talk.
1: Hello, hello. Mic check. everything okay?
0: Um, for some reason, our guest says she's supposed to be here. But says she's connected and waiting, but I don't have her connected anywhere. don't have any call to what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> another way to connect. <laughs> technical,
1: technical, you must be using textiles.
0: I did learn something the other day, United States and not call Zimbabwe uh. There's a, an embargo on it they so had an embargo on what. Some with the countries that won't let them call out, and we can't call them. They can't call the U.S., and we can't call you the, call them. Oh, That's Do you need me to click out and then click back in, or something? No, it's, um, she's in Australia, so it's something to do with her app. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. some app? It's just the connections not connecting right. I had this issue on the Allison. You always get issues. That's because okay, that's how life works. Usually. Mm-hmm. Right, let's see here. We're only four minutes in. We are a real life show and life happens. Technology doesn't always work.
1: Definitely yeah. right. it's been like that. Uh this week. For some reason my printer wouldn't work. Start all over, uh bones and freeze. things happen? They're it. Uh, do you have a way to contact uh Allison, right? Very hello? All right. Play something
0: back Hello. Hello, hang out.
2: I'll put you through. Let's, oh, where's that coming from now? I can't... All right. Can, we got working. Can you hear me? Hey. Can you hear us? Yes. Yes, I can.
1: <laughs> it was my
0: second international guest, so we're doing good.
1: Welcome. We're doing
2: fine. Tech is our friend. It's all good. It's all a learning process, right? That is, And, hey, you know, I've come a long way in
0: a couple of years. So I get the privilege to introduce my mentor who has helped guide me into the world that I live in now and help me understand things I didn't quite understand and encourage things when what I was doing wasn't the status norm. Alison Burnett, who is also a mind specialist, because you know you do hypnotherapy, you teach hypnotherapy, you teach NLP, and
2: you teach the mind. Yeah, exactly. It's about um, you know taking what's not traditional, I guess, or fusing it with some of the traditional stuff. It's opening up the mind to possibilities because. You know, we're we're on such a quest to um, see everyone as individuals and yet we want to put everyone in boxes when it comes to understanding the mind and working with issues and, and struggles that we have. So we have to embrace the idea that even in communication, in mindset, in healing there's not a one-size-fits-all not everyone fits into the same boxes we have you know we've got lots to pick from so let's let's invite it all in and see what you do individually and that's that's what I do <laughs> okay. I well, love that.
0: what I love too is that you're so open you know when I Started working with you after I worked with Marissa Pierce and couldn't quite understand all the different techniques and all the different things. And I, you know, mm. I was open. You know, this is what I want to do. Is this a possibility? And a lot of people said no. Because working with mm. autism kids, you cannot do traditional ways. And I knew that from just waking up to my kids every day. And mm. you're the first one that said, you know what, that'll work. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out this loophole because there's always a little more Yeah, different.
2: exactly. There is. Yes. And I loved, I absolutely loved, um, you know, when we first got together um, and you were a, a student in one of my courses and the questions you had, I was so excited by them because I'm like, yes, this woman is prepared to say what if. And that's what excites me because it's in the what if that, Yes, mainstream will, you know, call you a bit crazy, call you a bit out of left field. It's in the left field where we make the greatest advances because we're prepared to look different. We're to, you know, risk looking stupid or looking, you know, crazy. The risk is worth it with the reward that you get from discovering a person's individual uh, processing style, which is, you know, you intuitively, because of your own uh, journey in motherhood, you intuitively knew, hang on, my kids, not only are they, do they have differences, they're different from each other as well. So let's embrace the differences instead of attempting to make everyone the same let's embrace the differences and apply whatever works and one of the things that I really love um, I guess spreading <laughs> is that if you get the result you want does it really matter how you got there obviously as long as you're not hurting anyone you know you're, you're, you're doing good does it really matter what process you're using? If you're getting the best outcome for, for the person who, who is requiring the help, you know
0: exactly. And you know that yeah. yes. we talk a lot that a lot in on the shows because that applies to everything, from cleaning your house to your kids doing chores to life. I don't care yeah. how you get from A to B. I just want you to get to B. I think exactly. Mesmer used to
1: say um, Mesmer used to say, uh would you rather
2: um, be healed without going how,
1: or would you rather uh hypno
2: for anyone listening and, and sort of think thinks, uh, well you've probably uh, covered all, all this already, Mary. But um hypnotherapy is using the unconscious mind to achieve a positive outcome, yeah? Right. And going in with all that are uh, other other things that I use and teach like timeline therapy and things and a lot of the time when we go into the unconscious mind because it it communicates using symbols everything is symbols a a letter a number a picture it's all a symbol and for that reason you know our our messages our dreams they can be all quite uh, fantastical or garbled or not make much much sense initially and so we'll be doing some work and someone might get a picture of you know um, seeing themselves as a an ancient Egyptian goddess or something you know and they're getting a lesson through that and then they'll say to me oh that just doesn't make sense that's ridiculous you know I I was never in Egypt I don't believe in past lives or whatever they say To logically explain what just happened, and that's when I turn around to them and say, Look, does it matter how your unconscious mind is communicating with you? As long as you get the outcome you want and you are feeling better about something or coping better with something or have overcome something, does it matter that you went off to a far distant dream? of being of living in Egypt to get it achieved and they say no actually it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things so again it's about like you said when you came into this journey with me your mind was open and you were just prepared to say yep what do you got Alex? let's let's go and that's what it takes it takes courage to do that so I applaud you Mary
0: you. <laughs> I'm still working on new things it's- it's a journey. You
2: know, and getting- oh, it, it, it- go ahead. Yeah, carry on.
0: I was going to say just learning the mind is just the coolest thing in the world. And everyone looks at me like, you know, and it's it's starting to backfire in my world. It really is. Just for the fact that when I listen to things, mm. if my stuff is connected to my kids' stuff so I can monitor what they're doing and they've figured this out, so they go into my stuff mm. to figure to see what I'm doing. And so a lot of my new articles that come out are, you know, different things that are coming up, things that you post on social media that I'll save. They're looking at it until they're, they're using it to screw with me more dad than me. But it's hilarious. It's like my son now thinks it's great. He can size you up in a minute and figure out what he can do to irritate you to the point that you're almost to that edge of just wanting to just yell at him. But yeah, to throw you to that edge yet. So like, with dad, it was whiny, and he would whine. Mom can tune it out, <laughs> and so dad tried yes. to do the whole traditional reverse psychology. You're a little, you're a big boy, not a baby. You know, you want to be a big boy, okay? Babies whine, because it wasn't a real whine; it was just annoyed at. And so David looks at him and goes, fine. And he goes and finds a baby boy getting a bottle and comes through the house wet. Oh, what? Oh, what? I'm a baby. What? What? And he looks at dad and goes, now what, dad? Dad turns around and goes, fine. Are you a big boy or are you a little girl? Little girl's whine. He looks at dad and goes, fine. And he goes and finds the biggest, silliest, earliest dress in his sister's closet, puts on a wig and goes through the house, clapping his hands like a little girl. And a high pitched noise, whining, whiny. I'm a girl, wha wha. <laughs> There's me in the corner. I'm laughing. I am rolling hysterically. And look at Dad. He opens his mouth. I go, shut it. Don't. Does you think you're gonna outsmart this little turd? He's got one up on you. <laughs> There's a loophole oh. in every system, and he understands that because Mom does this for a living.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, how old is he, by seven. the way? Right, well, see, this is a beautiful part. So at around the age of seven is when the critical faculty kicks in. And up until then, it's sort of, you could generalize, I guess, between, you know, six and eight, because obviously every, you know, every child develops, you know, differently. However, average around the the age of seven the critical faculty kicks in and that's the part of the brain part of the mind that helps us distinguish between what's real and what's not. So up to a certain stage you know we've got that beautiful fantasy world where kids believe in Santa, believe in the Easter Bunny believe that once they put a cape on and a pair of glasses, you can't recognize them because they're a superhero now. And, you know, they, they they live in that world very easily because they do not have that critical faculty. Then once they turn that age, the mind puts that in because it starts allowing critical thinking. And that's when, from a young person's point of view, we might see it and call it, manipulation but it's almost like they start they've got this new skill this new muscle in their mind and they recognize that they can manipulate to see what pushes buttons what's going to get me what I want what's going to be too far and they are masters at it because it's a really new little it's like giving them a new toy and that's figuring out how to use it Whereas we've been using it for a very long time and, you know, sorry, not sorry, many of us are not that flash at using it. (laughs) We've we've not figured out, you know, how to effectively utilize our logical part of our brain and our emotional part of our brain. So it all gets muddled up and we, um, you know, snap and do all sorts of emotional things. Whereas the young person, they see it as that's their entire world at that point. So they will win the manipulation game if you have not parents taking the time to learn what that stage really looks like in the mind. And it can be as simple as turning around and asking questions, like really pinpointed questions like, um, what's what's the purpose of you whining right now? What do you want from this? What's your end game? Mm -hmm. And straight out asking them (laughs) that, And, you know, and then you are going to get them because they want to use use that new critical muscle, which means we have to ask critical questions. And that's where we fall short often as, as parents. And I'll put my hand up. I've been there before I learned all this. You know, I... Oh, I was a big crap, to be honest. <laughs> Great.
0: And no, and the big misconception can... is, is we ask the why question. Why? Why did this oh. happen? And that's your emotional, not your logical. And with kids, you need to ask the what. Because with that what question, you're going to get that answer, the reason why they're doing what they're doing.
2: Yeah, you, you can see this, can't you, Mary? Even in adults, why is the worst question to ask because why sets the brain into a fight or flight mode? You think about if I ask you, why did you, doing straight away, you've cornered the person and their brain is going to go into fight or flight and they're going to give you the quickest answer that can come to mind so that you get out of their face. Whereas if you ask, what's the reason you're doing that? It's a completely different feel that activates a different part of activates curiosity. So that you know, an appropriate answer as opposed to why will give you a defensive answer. And the defensive answer, as you said, is emotional. It's not often it's not actually truthful, it's not what you're really looking for and it's not gonna resolve anything either. So one that's the task I give, you know, students and clients in the first couple of weeks, I just get them to become aware of how often you use the word why, especially with yourself, Mary. We're in our own self-talk, in our own mind. How often do you, you know, you might walk into the room and when you get in there, you've forgotten what you walked in there for and you go, why am I such an idiot? Why did I even walk in here? And the minute you start talking to yourself like that, you're actually putting yourself into an anxious mode of thinking and you are not going to be in a calm state where you can resolve the problem. Start noticing the way you talk to yourself and how often you use the word why with yourself and switch it around. What's the reason I came in here for? And, you know, test it out. I always say, don't take my word for it, test the theory. And let me know how it works out for you.
0: <laughs> and that's where I started this whole rabbit hole with the why and the what question. And you like, you'll hear my son when he has a meltdown, what happened? Mm. What caused it, And he needs to know the reason why. And either sometimes he'll figure it out himself, but he'll say it out, ask it out loud. Or he needs you to tell yeah. him because he hasn't quite separated himself enough to figure that out. But he, the what question is so crucial. And I think with a lot of hypnosis and a lot of other, um, therapies they ask so much why yeah
2: why it never works exactly the why is why it doesn't work (laughs) and you know if we spend i wonder why
1: people ask why
2: on the what we you know the problem what we can't do then we also end up in that rabbit hole of getting stuck in a problem Hypnotherapy really allows you to look somewhat up in what is the problem that we lose sight and lose sort of that cognitive ability almost to see well what is what's not. Oh uh,
1: something happened. Hello?
2: I have a problem and all of your world is colored through the lens of I have a problem and we get so caught up in that that we start to lose sight of what's not the problem what are you capable of what can you do and that's where personal empowerment is it's finding out what you can do instead of focusing on what you can't And you think about the way the brain works as well. The minute you tell the mind that you can't have something, it's all that it wants. Just like a child. You put a, you know, a plate of cookies on the bench and say to a child, now don't touch those. You're not allowed to have them. They're going to hover around there like a blowfly. (laughs) That's all they're going to want. And all their focus is, is wanting that because... Um, our brain doesn't process negatives, so when you say you can't, or you shouldn't, or you mustn't, then the brain just hears everything after that. You can't have that. All they hear in their brain is, "I must have that. Have that. Have that. Have that." And addiction works same. Way. I'm not saying it's a you know magic bullet, and that I have all the answers. However, I do believe there is something to be examined in, in the idea that if you just focus on having the problem and saying you can't have whatever the crutch is, until you deal with the deeper issue in the unconscious mind, the mind will simply find another way to fill that hole. Right,
0: there's always a
2: little. Exactly. They'll find another addiction. And I've seen it happen, you know, with people who perhaps, uh, you know, the addiction might have been whether it be smoking or eating or, or, or a drug of some sort. They get told they can't have that. They might start going to the gym to look after themselves, and you think, wow, that's amazing. Look at them go, until the point where they're going to the gym two and three times a day, every day, and have no room in their life for anything else because the truth is that Jim has the new addiction.
0: Yeah. Oh, I went through that it's with my husband, and it was video games.
2: If he wasn't drinking
0: or he wasn't smoking, he was living on the computer playing video games. It was just this never moderation.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so we have to go deeper. We have to, instead of, you can't that. You have a problem with alcohol. You have a problem with... Video games. No, I I dispute that. The problem is not the alcohol, the video games, the smoking. That's not the problem. So you have to look outside and say, what is? What can you do? What? Oh, yeah?
0: And that's where, you know, I talk to a lot of different
2: people who they never,
0: they just give you a, they do a script and they never sit and find the root cause of the issue.
2: Right. So it's all lip service, isn't it, Mary?
0: It really is. You have to dig deep and ask the right
2: generic
0: type questions to get the answers. By that, by generic, I mean you're asking such like a blank question, but it's straightforward, like open what. Well, yeah. so that way, you're not leading them into the the answer.
2: Exactly. Yes, it's it's important to elicit the root cause rather than install, which is you know sometimes what people can do because we think it's so clear from the outside we think oh I know what's going on here however you know you can tell them to their blue in the face it's not going to make a difference they have to discover it for themselves and the only way they can do that is if you help them dig with those really good questions you know what's the reason what's the purpose you do that what do you get out of it what does it give you and you're looking for what's the hole that they're trying to fill that was missing all that time. And then once you've got that, a good hypnotherapist makes a bespoke um, hypno script for you. Because it has to have your language in it, the, the client's language, so that it's speaking directly to their unconscious mind. If you've just got a generic script that you throw out there for everyone, it's not going to have a lasting impact. That kind of generic script, I will say, works really great if you're doing a blanket kind of just a relaxation hypnosis. Great. That's, that's really good. You know, those sort of things do work. However, if you're looking to solve a deeper issue, then you have to find out what that issue is at its root cause, like you said, and you have to listen to the language the client's using so that you can insert that language into the hypnosis so that when you deliver that hypnosis to that person, they're hearing it in their own language, it's going to go deeper into that unconscious mind and it's going to have a long-lasting and profound effect. So it's very important that you're not just throwing out generic scripts um, when working with clients on these sorts of issues, for sure.
0: And the only, Like with me, the only time I use generic scripts are like, I do story time hour on the radio. We're going to start that next week. And I put their mind down and turn to a yeah. story mode so that they can calm down and relax and go to bed.
2: They're perfect. They're great. They're, that sort of generic script is, is beautiful. Um, and I love that. I, I do the same thing with that sort of thing. And I'm glad you brought up story time. So many times when I work with, you know, mums, parents, I, I simply get them to just change their tone a little bit when they're doing story time and have the intention of what's the reason you're doing this story time. And that's going to make all the difference. So generic scripts like that, absolutely brilliant. And I love them. Um, the, The difference is once you start working one-on-one with someone and it's for a specific purpose, then you can make it so much more powerful by using language that that person knows and uses so that you can get to that deeper level, yeah?
0: And what I do is, like, I'll have... When we're in the, the session doing the hypnosis, we will... I have a... Teacher, where it records or um, writes what I say so oh yeah I do that script and we do the hypnosis deal and I will recite it for them but I turn around with them especially with self-esteem issues and like anxiety and depression issues which a lot of times are self-esteem or emotional issues I'll hand them a copy of the script and help them record it so when they're listening to it back when they're having issues they're going to hear it in their own voice to help with that self-talk.
2: hundred percent. That's Mm self-hypnosis. And it's Mm -hmm. it's so powerful because exactly like you said, it's another level again if you're hearing uh, hypnotic language in your own voice. I've put myself into a hypnotic trance and woken up, you know, 30 minutes later, I was recording a hypnosis. And I went into a trance so deep I stopped talking and had this wonderful recording of me just actually snoring. Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) self (laughs) hypnosis is really, really powerful. And that's a fantastic service that you offer, Mary. Well done. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate that.
0: It's getting people to see, you know, and like you brought up that I absolutely talk a lot about, especially with parents is the tone of voice and the easiest way for you to adjust your tone of voice is literally just wiggling your jaw and how changing and softening that tone will get a completely different reaction out of the kids your spouse even
2: yeah yeah it's uh, like i have a very distinct change in voice and you 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 will develop your own hypnotic tones. and so you'll be talking very normally at your normal pace at your normal tone your normal you know sort of volume level pitch all those things come into it uh, especially when you start learning about communication and you'll put all those things into your normal voice and then you become very aware when you start to use your hypnotic um, voice because you have to drop down you lower your volume you start putting spaces in between words where there normally wouldn't be a space. So you can feel the difference there when I went straight from my normal talking into a hypnotic trance voice. And as soon as you start to do that, and when you work with people, especially with your kids, you only have to do it a few times And your kid's mind will pick up on it and it sends them straight into a different level of like waves in their brain. So they're going to be more in that, you're going to get them into that alpha wave in their brain. And then eventually they'll go in, if it's night time, they'll go into Theta themselves because you've already taken them with your voice. It's so powerful what you My problem is, is I do that
0: when I get mad. Instead of me being a drill sergeant Uh, for a while, I've learned, I yell and I project because that's what I was trained and paid to do. So with my kids and being empaths, especially my daughter, because she's so sensory orientated. So she reads in the tone, big time. So I've had to learn that when I get mad and they irritate me or they do something wrong, that I'll start going into that hypno and I'll get quiet and talk in that level and so they're learning now to adjust story time mom to you piss mom off and I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) yell
2: well and I'm glad you brought that up though Mary as well because the biggest thing that you know I'll say the two perhaps the two biggest things that that causes hypnotherapy to work um The first one, though, that I'm going to talk about is intention of the hypnotherapist, of the speaker. If your intention is to bring about trance, then no matter what you're doing, whether you're reading a book, whether you are simply having a conversation, whether you are singing, if your intention is to bring about a hypnotic trance, then it will. Because that's the energy you're putting out through your voice. That's your intention. And then obviously the second part is that the person receiving must be open and surrender to the process. Those two things are what's required to happen. So you can see for you, Mary, when you were talking about the difference between story time and that sort of that calming down uh, when they pissed you off and you're, you're bringing yourself, you know, down to a different level your intention is different in those two things, isn't it? And so um, your kids being very intuitive to tone, they're going to know as well the difference then because of your intention and they're going to feel the difference in your voice. As you said, story time, mum, versus, well, I've pushed mum a little too far <laughs> and I'm just going to woe back now.
0: <laughs> and they've will that out, but I learned that with dealing with teaching regulation techniques and you know i truly believe the problem we have with society now especially with our kids and a lot of the millennial generation is that they're more aware of everything as opposed to us when we were growing up we would learn to just <clears> accept <throat> things mom said no you said no you know where they're got a whole new world around them where they can research things and learn things and they're become more aware of things and so we're not and we don't do this as a parent on a conscious level it is just it's very unconscious but we we in an unconscious level teach our kids that emotions are bad now a couple parents argue with me about this and I go think about this when your child was born they cried what did you do you shoved something in their mouth or you changed their diaper or you cuddled them and told them to stop crying. It's okay. They get older. They fall and scrape their knee. What do we do? It's okay. You don't need to cry. We have always discouraged emotions, And we're t- even now, a lot of therapists will tell you that the only good emotion is happy. And that if you're sad for so many days in a row or you're dealing with this, you're depressed. Or if you're anxious, you have anxiety. And it's like, no, it's just our mind telling us there's something right. And we need to figure out what it is. It is a completely healthy process.
2: Exactly. Every emotion has a purpose. Every single emotion has a purpose. And that that all flags telling us to, hey, take notice. Something's, you know, uh, something needs adjusting or something's out of whack. And you know, when something happens that throws us off and you know, perhaps we feel sad or angry or whatever the case may be, we're allowed to feel those things. <laughs> it's good to express them. What you do not express, what you suppress, it will come out another way. And often that comes out in our health when we suppress emotions and um deny ourselves the the freedom to feel what we want to feel. Press it so much that we end up with physical responses to what's going on around us. And so, yeah, I'm a big believer in embracing all the emotions. And it's something that you brought up there that I talk about is anchoring That's what you were sort of touching on there in regards to kids is how often we anchor, um, like you said, when when our kids, you know, are crying, we hold them and often we'll, we'll cuddle them and we might pat their back or something like that and they fall over and they're crying so we hold them and we might pat their back. Have you ever wondered as an adult why you can be holding it together, you're doing okay and the minute someone holds you and pats your back, you burst into tears. You can't seem to stop it. It's because you've been anchored to join those things together that once you pat your back, that's the the release of the emotion and you can feel all that.
0: So oh, I've been thinking
2: about that. All of these that's things true. are all linked and it's important to see all those links and put them all together and work out how you can use it to move yourself forward so that you are better equipped to respond the way you want to respond rather than react. Started on triggers.
0: (laughs) Right, And that's where hypnotherapy comes into play, is that it helps you figure out what you're Oh, I can't
2: hear anyone. Am I here by myself now?
0: Sorry, there you go. Can you hear me now?
2: Yes, I can. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
0: Um, Can anyone hear me? That is part of the problem. Where no, um, hypnotherapy is a good tool is to figure out what those triggers are. Because a lot of times, what we may think is a trigger may not even be the, the actual reason for the trigger.
2: It's it's about empowering yourself so that you you know I'm this is my personal belief and. Uh, you know people can take what they want leave what they don't we don't all have to agree however I'm a believer that no other person is responsible for your triggers no one should have to tiptoe around or um, you know give trigger warnings or anything like that if I personally am triggered by something what a gift that is for me To work out what's the reason that whatever that was that triggered me what's the reason that has so much power over me what's the reason I'm not in control of that 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 person or that thing has so much power over me that I've given them control of my emotions that's the gift and when I trigger another person I say you're welcome what an amazing gift for you to have that opportunity to be aware of it and to work on it because no other person, nothing external to you has the right to control your emotions and your responses and your thoughts. Nothing external to you should have that much control and yet so many of us have external controls and the whole idea of self-empowerment is to take that control back so that you decide how you feel, when you feel it, and how you deal with it, not anyone outside of you. So triggers are a a big thing for me that I love to talk about and work on. And hypnotherapy is a great tool, along with language, to learn how to identify the reason for the trigger the trigger is often quite benign isn't it it's really not often the trigger's not the problem it's what it invokes in you what is the symbol that that trigger brings up and that symbol sets off a chain reaction in your mind and in your body mm-hmm. into fight or flight and, and into body responses you know you might sweat or you might or your heart races All these different sort of responses happen as a result of the picture, the symbol that comes to mind when that trigger happens. So if you can change the picture, then that trigger is not gonna have the same effect on you anymore. You're in control of how your body and mind respond to that trigger. That's power. That's what I love to help people discover.
0: And all that. Very exciting. Well, and that's why I started and created the One Flag, One Life of Broken Resilience is to help service members, current and former, like myself, because my biggest triggers were the smell of smoke and fireworks mm. from being overseas. Mm. And so you know, yeah. that's something we don't talk about in the military. We're taught to ignore them and to have tell people this is what it is. Don't walk behind me. You know, things like that and not learning, well, what what happened? What caused it? A lot of times it isn't even what you did overseas that caused that trigger. It's just that extra little element that pushed that trigger over the edge. A lot of times it's something that happened in your childhood that you don't even realize yep. that happened, that you forgot about. And it took that little extra trauma to push that trigger over the edge
2: exactly
0: or if you're being told you should have this trigger because you know you were overseas so you shouldn't be able to handle fireworks or you shouldn't be able to handle this because it reminds you of gunshots and that's where our media has played such a role in our mental health and i believe that's also why we have so many more post-war problems with our soldiers compared to what we used to be because we're being bombarded with you're going to struggle with this. You're going to have this. You're going to have this. And you'd be able to think there's something wrong with you because you didn't have
2: those issues. Yeah, exactly. It leads you, doesn't it, to become Mm hypervigilant. And when you're you're walking around in a hypervigilant state, again, you get caught in the problem. You actually start to miss what's not the problem. I'll give you like a really... um, an example that's really quite basic, okay, just a easy example that's not, uh, uh, I hope, a trigger for anyone. So say you um, have a person who goes, a young person goes to a, a birthday party and there's lots of balloons at the birthday party and so the the person's having a wonderful time, they're enjoying the party and they're right next to their and they weren't ready for it Someone pops a balloon, and it makes them jump. And oh, crap! And so they get a bit of a fright, and they don't like that feeling. It doesn't feel good, and they, you know, their breath—they lose their breath a little bit. And for a minute, for a second, you know, maybe they're anxious. They're they're freaking out. Now, the the brain will connect those things together: balloon and the way that they felt when it popped. Now, if that's not addressed in a positive way, every time that person goes to a party or anywhere where there's balloons, you'll find that they will not fully enjoy themselves because they are now hypervigilant, worried that the balloon's going to pop and they're going to feel the way they did that first time. So they're trying to avoid that feeling and therefore avoid balloons. And you'll end up with, I've seen adults who will say, I don't want any balloons at any of my parties because I hate when they pop, they scare me. Wait, so now they're saying, when yeah, Same. same thing. And so we start to design our world around us out of avoidance. We avoid things. And if we live our life, all that we have in our mind is what to avoid, then we we miss out on seeing all the wonderful good things that we can enjoy in life because we're just living in a life of avoidance. It's like when you drive down a dirt road and, you know, there's potholes and it's a bit of a rough road, you know. We're sort of, we're taught, not taught actually, it's it's more of an inbuilt that when you drive down that road you're going to be looking for potholes aren't you? You're going to be looking for the best way to navigate your vehicle so that it misses any potholes that could cause problems. So you become, you train yourself to be hyper vigilant to look for problems in the road. All you see, you actually do not see the scenery You don't notice how long you've been driving and it's been really smooth for. You miss out on all that. You're not aware of any of it because all you're interested in is looking for problems. And that's how we run through life. If we're only focused on problems in our life, we live our day-to-day existence simply looking for problems. And that can keep us in a very um, tight, controlled, and, um, you know, it makes it hard for us to sleep at times, people who have sleeping problems, because they're so wound up, and understandably so. They spend all their day watching out for potential problems. It's It's a really difficult way to live. And, again, hypnotherapy allows us to get um, to the the core of those problems, of that hypervigilance, get to the core of it, teach us to breathe, to relax our muscles, to relax our bodies, and allow the unconscious mind to unravel a bit, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. You know we relax. Saw a lot of this COVID. You COVID.
2: Know, no matter what station
0: you turn the TV on, it's so when we got rid of our TVs. By that, we, we got out and you know, Netflix stuff like that, because no matter what you turned on, uh, all you heard about was death COVID. Yeah. It's uh, and it was it. no yeah. different than the flu and how many people died from the flu every year. Is just, and it, But it was all linked to COVID, and everyone was freaking out, and, you know, masks and gloves and sanitizers and bleach. And it was like the world shut down, and the world, everyone just
2: turned neurotic because they were so worried about dying. It's, it's the it's the best um, it's the best way to control the group is to install fear with a consequence. That's, that's the best method of control. Yeah. Fear and consequence. So, you know, media will heap will um, heap that upon us. Lots and lots of fear and a consequence and then that's the best way to control the masses with you know, in your mind. So Again, it's about self-empowerment. What are you listening to? What are you paying attention to? And taking control and designing it for yourself. What 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 am, what am I going to focus on today? And then go out and do it, you know?
0: That's it. And I love watching kids because they haven't developed that fear yet. Is what I always say, or it's clogged because what comes in the brain goes out the mouth. But they
2: live by adventure. Yeah, they create they create their world around them, and we we can learn so much from that because we have the benefit of everything that a child sees. We can see as well. The question we have to start asking ourselves is, what's the reason I'm choosing not to? because we have all the benefits that the child has. Um, and on top of that, we have critical thinking and more knowledge and access to more things. So instead of embracing all of it, we, we cut off certain parts because we start to become afraid of what people might say or think or do. Or, again, those external um, expectations them on so much kids they don't give a rat they don't care what other people will think you know up to a certain age you see it don't you mm-hmm. they just don't I know my son is six and we'll go to a, a playground and he'll just walk up to kids who are playing he just walks up to him. hey my name's Harrison what are you doing can I play he doesn't even think about what if they reject me? What if they don't like what I'm wearing? What if, what if, what? He doesn't think about those things. He simply sees other people. He wants to be involved, so he goes and asks, can I? And we, we have not lost. We choose not to embrace that kind of innocence and courage for fear, Fear has become a major driver in an, in our adult life. And so, if we want to empower ourselves, if we want to feel like we are in control, or if we want to be in control of the trajectory of our life, we have to choose to feel that fear and do it anyway. That's going to be the the, the turnaround in our lives. Yeah.
0: And that is so true, and, uh, you know, getting like with my kids being autistic the way they were, they are, is getting the workers. My biggest struggle was getting people to see how important it was to teach them imagination play.
2: Yeah, 100%. And now it, it's,
0: they live in the imagination yeah. world. It's great. And people don't understand that. And our kids nowadays, we're giving them electronics at a young age that they're not developing that imagination. And they wonder why their kids cannot solve basic problems. They need mom and dad to fix everything for them. And yeah. the imagination is what's crucial for that critical thinking to learn how to go pull up a step stool to get, to get that plate out of the cupboard or, you know.
2: Yeah. The, the imagination is the what is. What if I did this? What if we try this? It's the, it's the imagination of being able to think about what we can do. Remember, it's about looking at what I can do instead of what we can't. And as adults, we start and and we exactly like you said. Unfortunately, we often without thinking about it. You know, there's not there's not often. Um, Bad intentions behind it, however, when we tell young people and kids, "Oh, come on, grow up, don't don't be a baby. When we use that kind of language, we are telling them that their their fun, their imagination is not important, that it's not to be shown, that it's to be hidden, that it's to be suppressed. And yet it's that childlike wonder that allows people to make such big differences in the world and come if you did not wonder, Mary, if you did not wonder what if, you may never have, you know, started on this journey that you have where you've made such a massive impact and difference in the lives of your children. If you Did not embrace that childlike, I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens. That's childlike wonder mixed with adult bravery and courage. And that's how you make a difference in in the world, in your world around you. So embrace it in your children. Give them boundaries, 100%. They need boundaries. However, allow them to figure stuff out as well and use their imagination to see what happens. And when they see what happens, they've learned a lesson themselves without you having to. It goes down to this uh, uh, this idea of you can either prepare the path or you can prepare the person. If we prepare the path, what we're doing is we're constantly trying to make things smooth for our kids you know we don't want them to have the same make the same mistakes we made we don't want them to be hurt we don't want them and I get that it's it's from a place of love however when you prepare the path a smooth path for your child to grow up on they miss out on the opportunity to learn what they're capable of to build their resilience, to build their critical thinking, to to learn how they can fail and come back stronger. We deny them that opportunity when we prepare the path. So instead, if we choose to prepare the person, we are with them the whole way. However, we're letting them make those mistakes. We're giving them all the information for sure let's let's inform them and then let them make a decision let them follow it through and when it comes out the other end ask them what did you learn from that what do you think you'd do different next time did that turn out the way you think it would so then we're we're teaching them to dig deep into what they're capable of and how they can grow and open up that thinking to their possibilities. So it's a choice every parent has. And it never stops. I've got daughters who are twenty eight and twenty four years of age. And I still tell you know, in my own mind, I say to myself, when they've got a problem, am I going to prepare the path or am I going to prepare the person? And if I every time if I choose the person, I know that I'm giving Um, the opportunity for my daughters to learn skills that, you know, will serve them the rest of their life. Does that make sense, Mary, what I'm
0: saying? It does. And it teaches them also that, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. You know, we have so many kids that, you know, they screw up or they don't get their way or things don't go their way. And they stay Yeah. measures, because they don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, instead of letting them be kids, we're now teaching them everything when they're real little. From the time they're born, we're forcing them to learn to read. We're forcing them to learn to write. You know, only education. Only this, this, and this. You know, we're not giving them crayons and pieces of paper to just be. Yeah. So a,
2: see what happens.
0: That's it. It's a waste of time. Or They think it. Most parents think it's a waste of time.
2: Music art it's a waste of time it's not educational i mean it really is though so. yeah because that comes down to well what sort of education are you thinking and what's right for you is not necessarily right for that child because we've all got different ways that our mind processes information we will have different you know we'll have auditory strengths we'll have kinesthetic strengths we'll have visual strengths so it's about um, embracing all the different ways that we can learn about ourselves and the world around us instead of limit- limiting it to mainstream education, which, again, just my beliefs. I believe mainstream education is more like a memory test. Mm-hmm. You sort of get given a lot of information and you're graded on how well you can remember it. It's not really about the skills that you have. That's that's a whole other subject, though, isn't it, Mary? <laughs> hey, my
0: kids don't go to mainstream school. Ah, so you're with me. Like... <laughs> because, yeah, my daughter, right. Jaisal, and we do a variation of a virtual school where they send you the curriculum, you figure out how to teach it however you want to teach it, and then they take do the assignments. yeah yeah so they can learn it but you know learn it at their own pace in their own way
2: and that's that's so important i really i love that and um, it's it's going to take a it's going to take a movement to change the way education is delivered um and i'm not suggesting a complete switch around again just like i said at the beginning of our uh, discussion today it's about Understanding that there's a whole buffet of information out there, you know, let's not just take the appetizers and move on. Let's let's utilize everything and allow people to be individual and embrace their individual skills and strengths. And yeah, I'm yeah. I'm very for self empowerment. And I.
0: I am too and it's starting a little bit backfire in my world just because um so mom forgot that we're only now eight planets in our solar system. Me growing uh, up there were nine. So my son is yeah, he's beyond the basic solar system. Now he is into nebulas and stuff like that. And he was studying the eagle this is he's doing this for fun. He learns for fun. And so yeah. he's learning the Eagle Nebula. Well, mom made the mistake of saying there were nine planets. And he looks at me and he goes, no, you're wrong. There are only eight. Somewhat an eagle nebula was. And he goes, I cannot teach you advanced science and si- advanced social um, space until you learn the basic first. And he hands me <laughs> my phone and Googles the solar system and eight planets. He says, learn this, then I will teach you this. <laughs> He's
2: taking you to school, Mum
0: <laughs> He mom. is, oh my gosh Yeah, I had a laugh
2: I'm like, yeah. That's beautiful
0: That's yeah, what we I'm want
2: sure. Yeah, that, that's brilliant All right, I'm, This has been wonderful, Mary I actually have to go It's um getting ready for school time In Australia here So I'm off to get my son ready for school
0: Yes, and we are actually out of time for today This has been great
2: it's been wonderful. I mean, I think you and I could sit and talk for hours to be honest. We could go from one subject to the next quite easily, couldn't we? Oh, yes,
0: we do now. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. I well, thank you for inviting me though um to chat with you and you know really get into these really exciting subjects with you. I've really enjoyed it, Mary.
0: Oh, it's an honor to have you here.
2: And I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. We'll-
0: nice
1: meeting you. Later. Later
2: come back anytime you am available during this time I will yeah I look forward to coming back and having some more chat time with you and we'll go down some more rabbit holes shall we yes
0: yeah. one of the things I would like to talk to you about when you have time to come back on the show is your viewpoint on EMBR.
2: oh let's do that yes pencil me in I'll book a time okay sounds great <laughs> All right, Mary. Thank you so much.
0: Have a good day. Thank you for joining us
2: today. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Optimize My Life Radio. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. Remember to follow us on social media at Optimize My Life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care and remember to make each day count.